Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to examine the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Today is the feast day of St. Benedict, the father of Western monasticism. And today we're going to be talking with someone in religious life. Kind of worked out that way. It was accidental, but we'll take it, right? So we're talking today with Sister Teresa Alethea. We've talked to her once before. She's the author of a book called The Prodigal You Love, Inviting Loved Ones Back to the Church. Uh, she is a daughter of St. Paul and is currently serving in Miami, Florida. But she's here in studio today. Last time we interviewed her, it was by phone. And today we're going to get to see her face to face. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be a great interview, and we're going to be talking about the spirit of humility. As always, we're going to start off in prayer. We're going to spend some time in Scripture, and then we're going to be reading from a document of the church. And we're going to actually read today from the rule of St. Benedict. So let us praise Christ, asking to serve him and to be holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. Let us acclaim, Lord, you are the Holy One. You desired to experience everything we experience but sin. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You called us to love perfectly. Make us holy, Lord Jesus. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You commissioned us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let your light shine on us, Lord Jesus. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You desired to serve, not to be served. Help us, Lord Jesus, to give humble service to you and to our neighbors. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. You are in the form of God, sharing in the splendor of the Father. Lord Jesus, let us see the glory of your face. Lord, you alone are the Holy One. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. O God, who made the abbot St. Benedict an outstanding master in the school of divine service, grant, we pray, that putting nothing before love of you, we may hasten with a loving heart in the way of your commands, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading is going to come from the book of Genesis, chapter 49. Jacob gave his sons this charge. Since I am about to be taken to my people, bury me with my fathers in the cave that lies in the field of Ephron the Hittite the cave in the field of Machpelah facing Mamre, then the land of Canaan, the field that Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite for a burial ground. There Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried, and so are Isaac and his wife Rebekah, and there, too, I buried Leah, the field and the cave in it that had been purchased from the Hittites. Now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful and thought, suppose Joseph has been nursing a grudge against us, and now plans to pay us back in full for all the wrong we did to him. So they approached Joseph and said, Before your father died, he gave us these instructions. You shall say to Joseph, J Jacob begs you to forgive the criminal wrongdoing of your brothers who treated you so cruelly. 
Please, therefore, forgive the crime that we, the servants of your father's God, committed. When they spoke these words to him, Joseph broke into tears. Then his brothers proceeded to fling themselves down before him and said, Let us be your slaves. But Joseph replied to them, Have no fear. Can I take the place of God? Even though you meant to harm me, God meant it for good, to achieve his present end, the survival of many people. Therefore, have no fear. I will provide for you and for your children. By thus speaking kindly to them, he reassured them. Joseph remained in Egypt together with his father's family. He lived a hundred and ten years, and he saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. And the children of Manasseh's son, Mahir, were also born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. God will surely take care of you and lead you out of this land to the land that he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then putting the sons of Israel under oath, he continued, When God thus takes care of you, you must bring my bones up with you from this place. Joseph died at the age of 110. That reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 49. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 105. Be glad, you lowly ones. May your hearts be glad. Give thanks to the Lord. Invoke his name. Make known among the nations his deeds. Sing to him. Sing his praise. Proclaim all his wondrous deeds. Be glad, you lowly ones. May your hearts be glad. Glory in his holy name. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek to serve him constantly. Be glad, you lowly ones. May your hearts be glad. You descendants of Abraham, his servants, you sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he, the Lord, is our God. Throughout the earth, his judgments prevail. Be glad, you lowly ones. May your hearts be glad. The gospel today comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. Jesus said to his apostles, No disciple is above his teacher, no slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher, for the slave that he become like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more are those of his household? Therefore, do not be afraid of them. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the rooftops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted, so do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly Father. That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. Today's reading from church history comes from the rule of St. Benedict, whose feast day is today. He's the father of Western monasticism. Whenever you begin any good work, you should first of all make a most pressing appeal to Christ our Lord to bring it to perfection, that he who has honored us by counting us among his children 
may never be grieved by our evil deeds. For we must always serve him with the good things that he has given us, in such a way that he may never, as an angry father disinherits his sons, or even like a master who inspires fear, grow impatient with our sins and consign us to everlasting punishment, like wicked servants who would not follow him to glory. So we should at long last rouse ourselves, prompted by the words of Scripture, Now is the time for us to rise from sleep. Our eyes should be open to the God-given light, and we should listen in wonderment to the message of the divine voice as it daily cries out, Today, if you shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And again, if anyone has ears to hear, let him listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And what does the Spirit say? Come, my sons, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Hurry while you have the light of life, so that death's darkness may not overtake you. And the Lord, as he seeks the one who will do his work among the throng of people to whom he makes that appeal, says again, Which of you wants to live life to the full? Who loves long life and the enjoyment of prosperity? And if... When you hear this, you say, I do, God says to you, if you desire true and everlasting life, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And when you have done these things, my eyes will be upon you. And before you call upon my name, I shall say to you, behold, I am here. What could be more delightful, dearest brothers, than the voice of our Lord's invitation to us. In His loving kindness, He reveals to us the way of life. And so, girded with faith and the performance of good works, let us follow in His paths by the guidance of the gospel. Then we shall deserve to see Him who has called us into His kingdom. If we wish to attain a dwelling place in His kingdom, we shall not reach it unless we hasten there by our good deeds. Just as there exists an evil fervor, a bitter spirit which divides us from God and leads us to hell, so there is a good fervor which sets us apart from evil inclinations and leads us toward God and eternal life. Monks should put this fervor into practice with an overflowing love. That is, they should surpass each other in mutual esteem, accept their weaknesses, either of the body or of behavior, with the utmost patience and vie with each other in accepting to requests. No one should follow what he considers to be good for himself, but rather what seems good for another. They should display brotherly love in a chaste manner, fear God in a spirit of love, revere their abbot with a genuine and submissive affection, let them put Christ before all else, and may he lead us all to everlasting life. That reading comes from the rule of St. Benedict, abbot, father of Western monasticism. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about humility and hospitality. These are two things that are very big in the Benedictine order. Uh, We have a a Benedictine order here in Oklahoma, actually got a couple, uh, and, and some of the very first missionaries to the state of Oklahoma were Benedictines. But even if you're not a monk, even if you're not an oblate, even if you are just a layperson striving to live your faith in the most vibrant way possible, St. Benedict has something to offer us here. And it's the same thing that St. Paul said to the, the Philippians in Philippians 2. He said, let each of you 
look not to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Gosh, that's completely counterintuitive, specifically in this day and time in our culture. Uh, we've got this whole look out for number one uh, and, and consider my own interests and the interests of my family first. And yet that's not what St. Paul says. And that's not what St. Benedict says, drawing us toward a full Christian life. A full Christian life that says God will provide for all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And it's my concern to care for all of humanity, to look to the interests of others, to make sure that that I am accurately representing Christ in all that I do to all people everywhere. Oh, that's a tricky thing, specifically when we get into conversations about what's right and what's wrong, because it's hard to find the balance between upholding the truth and yet speaking in a way that will not alienate or ostracize the person that's listening. Because the goal of our speech is to draw people to Christ, right? It's not just about being right. It's not just about winning arguments. The goal of our conversation is to win people to the, to the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's something that, that can't be compromised, and yet it can be spoken in a way that's more readily received. Well, when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking with Sister Teresa Alethea. She's a religious sister of the Daughters of St. Paul, currently living in Miami, Florida. But she hails right here from Tulsa, Oklahoma. So she's back in town visiting her family and her goddaughter, who just happens to be my second child. Uh, And so while she was here, I, I figured, hey, nepotism. Let's wrangle her in and talk to her on the show. Uh, She was my first ever interview, and I'm really glad to have her back, this time face-to-face for the first time uh, on air. So we're going to talk about humility. She's an author. She wrote the book, The Prodigal You Love, Inviting Loved Ones Back to the Church, and is a blogger on the Pathios Network. Uh, Her blog is called Pursued by Truth. She's a revert to the church after a, a troubled teenage years and early 20s. Uh, And she came back with a passion and with a vengeance. Uh, Vengeance is a funny way to put it because it's a vengeance for pursuing peace. Well, join us in this conversation. Pop on over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls, or you can get our comment line 918-928-5746. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm Timothy Putnam. Glad you stuck through the break. Today we're talking with Sister Teresa Alethea of the Daughters of St. Paul, a dear friend of mine, godmother to my second child. Uh, And she is in town. So this year, this time, we have her actually in person in the studio. She was my first interview on the show, and uh, we're glad to have you back. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Timothy. It's great to be here in person to talk to you face to face. Awesome. So we were talking uh, just in general uh, about, you know, today is the feast of St. Benedict, the father of Western monasticism. Uh, This this person who uh, gave this rule, the first really rule in the Western world for religious life. Uh, We're at the end of the year of consecration uh, for the consecrated life. And here we have you. Uh, now in studio, consecrated life on the feast of St. Benedict. And we were talking about really the charism 
perhaps of, of St. Benedict and certainly in your order as well, uh, of hospitality and of, and of just seeking peace in all things. Uh, and so specifically, you know, I, I've looked at, I'm on social media a lot. I'm a social media junkie. All my people here know that. You can find me at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Yeah, you've heard this before. Uh, and on Twitter at outside the walls. And you're welcome to come and join the conversation. Uh, but we've seen on Facebook, uh, w- w- given the recent decisions and the, the politics that we see around us, uh, whether it be gay marriage or whether it be um, the, the Supreme Court's decision on health care or the Confederate flag or uh, police activity towards uh, whoever, we see this very strident position, strident uh, defending our own opinion uh, everywhere we go. And so what I wanted to talk to you today about is the spirit of humility. And not only that, but the spirit of uh, someone on your blog recently said, you have such an, uh, normally have such an ironic tone and you had to look that up. So talk to us a little bit about ironic tone and then let's, <laughs> let's begin a conversation on humility. Yeah, that reader was actually responding to a blog post that I wrote about um, calling God Father, which is mm-hmm. something that I'm pretty passionate about. I think I think we should do that because Jesus told us to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, she she seemed to think that I wasn't writing in my normal ironic tone, and so I thought, what does that mean? So I looked it up, and it means very peaceful. And um, so I, I thought about that, and I actually wrote a response to that post. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that my original post was, you know, I, I didn't regret writing that post. But right. but I do think it is it is good to, um, when I get feedback, to kind of consider that and, and prayerfully think about that and then respond to it. And sometimes I think people are just responding to things that are, that are, you know, their own personal issues or their Mm -hmm. own, you know, but sometimes, and and even in the the nastiest comments that I get, I, there are, there are things for me to, to consider and to think about and pray about. Um, You know, normally when we get nasty comments, whether they be online (laughs) or in person, we tend to throw up our own little defenses and say, Mm -hmm. well, how dare you? And yeah. come up with our own responses that are zingers. We, we look for yeah. those zingers to, to get them back. Yes. And the thought that maybe even in the midst of the ugliest statement, there's something that I can learn mm-hmm. uh, is very foreign to us because it means allowing the wounding yeah. uh, from someone that we may or may not have any respect for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, you know, I, I started to want to grow in the virtue of humility before I even believed in God. Mm-hmm. Um, it was through actually a boyfriend that I had who was one of the most intelligent people I ever have known. Um, he went on to get a PhD in philosophy from Stanford. He's a very intelligent person, but he's also one of the most humble people I met because when he would talk to people, he would always ask questions and he was never afraid to look stupid. He would ask, mm-hmm. he would ask questions that were kind of, everyone would be like, oh, you don't know that, yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't afraid. And the reason I thought about that, you know, after I got to know him and I thought, why, why does he do that? And, and I realized that it's because he loves truth. Mm-hmm. And he wants to get to the truth. And so that helped me on my journey because I love truth too. And I, I want to get to the truth. And I don't want my own personal defenses to get in the way of that. And I think that often happens when we're talking to other people. It, we, um, we get so defensive and, or, we t- or offended and we take things personally. And 
we get very attached to the way that we see things. Um, and oftentimes, you know, as Catholics, that can, that can come across as the church teaches this, so you're wrong and, and we have nothing to talk about or, mm-hmm. or, or it just comes across as kind of pompous. And, but really, if we love truth, we can always come at any conversation with anyone with the attitude that I have something to learn from you. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't agree with your conclusions, right. there's something in your thought process that I can learn from. Um, and I found that that attitude helps me to grow closer to the truth. And sometimes I'm not, not successful. You know, sometimes like everyone else, I get offended or I take things personally or my defenses go up. But when I don't, um, and in the conversation, sometimes in my head, I'll say to myself, don't, don't be defensive. Don't be defensive. Um, and at the end of those conversations, I feel closer, like I got closer to the truth. I may have given more in the conversation and I may have conceded more and that kind of hurts our, our egos. But in the end, if I've, if I've walked closer to the truth, that's what's ultimately most important to me. So. Mm-hmm. You have a blog. Uh, we, last week we talked with Jen Fitz, who is also on the Pathios Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, great. So you have a blog on the Pathios Network as well mm-hmm. called Pursued by Truth. And mm-hmm. we'll put that link up on, yes, you guessed it, social media. Uh, but you can also get to it by going to pathios.com slash blogs slash pursued by truth. And that's mm-hmm. a, uh, on the Catholic channel where you basically approach all of life through your lens. Uh, and let's go back just a little bit to this idea of I can always learn something and asking the even the the stupid questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we a lot of our faith in the in the Latin Church and the Western Catholic Church is based on uh, Aristotle and based on, on the the foundation laid by the Greek philosophers, and they asked all kinds of stupid questions because uh, they never assumed that the way that they understood the world was correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I coming from the, the Protestant church and now in the Catholic church where I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a convert. Uh, there's this sense in the Protestant church that, well, just read the Bible and the Bible is uh, self-explanatory and, and that's all you need. And look, it's in the Bible. There you go. And I see that in some Catholics of, well, if the magisterium says it, the church teaches that that settles it. And yet anytime we approach some, some teaching, we're approaching it through our own interpretive lens. Mm-hmm. We see it through the way we understand the world, which may or may not be accurate. Mm-hmm. So the question, even in those scenarios where you're talking with someone that you, you may disagree with at the beginning, is, um, is my interpretation of what the church says correct mm-hmm. on this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, m- maybe I completely understand what the church has said and I can still act toward, in humility towards someone. Mm-hmm. I can still act in kindness uh, and, and engaging them through relationship in the, in the discussion. But maybe, just maybe, I'm not as smart as I think I am. Maybe my own Western context, maybe my own uh, political persuasion is coloring my understanding of what the church says. And I'm mixing things in that the church doesn't require or, or even approve of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk just a little bit about your own journey to humility. Uh, you didn't start out this, uh, this virtuous, right? This shining <laughs> example of virtue, at least to the public world. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey, both back into the church and toward humility. Um, I, I think 
a big part of my conversion had to do with the virtue of humility. And like I said, I, I saw the attractiveness of that virtue before I even began to believe in God. Um, but a lot of saints um, say that humility is truth. Teresa of Avila, St. Vincent de Paul, Padre Pio, they all, ha- all have that, this quote. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty important because, um, because Jesus told us, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so anytime we, we grow closer to the truth, we're go- growing closer to God. And so sometimes, you know, you were saying earlier, you know, I, I, I may understand something the church is teaching 100%, but my attitude is always I never understand it 100%. There are so many nuances and subtleties to the truth that um, I, I can always learn from others, mm-hmm. and my perspective is never complete. So, um, you know, in my book, The Prodigal You Love, I, I do have a chapter on humility and in one part, I talk about the vast expanse of truth. And if, if we approach the truth knowing that we can never have a full grasp of it, and I give the example of we can look at something and know that that, that object is green, but we don't necessarily know that the objects around it influence the way that we perceive the color of that object. The mm-hmm. photoreceptors in our eyes are what cause us to see that that thing is green. And so we may know that it's green, but we don't know all of this kind of context around that that truth. Not only that, but we don't know that you are seeing that color green in the same way that I'm seeing that color green. Right. I, I, the photoreceptors in my eyes are, are different. There's an extra variable there. And so I may not, we can both look at it and say that's green, but our experience of that green is going to be different. And this is a philosophical conundrum that's been going on for ages. uh, And yet our experience is different and we have to really recognize the personal aspect of truth. Not to say that truth is different or relative, but our experience of truth is going to be different. And the the broader we can uh, bring people into uh, understanding, the more people I can understand their their perspective mm-hmm. the broader my own understanding of truth is going to be yeah and it's even it's not even a, a an understanding of subjective truth it's mm-hmm. a more complete understanding of objective truth because yeah. even if I'm Einstein I don't have that full you know breadth of knowledge about everything mm-hmm. I can all I can learn from other people we can always learn from the way that other people are looking at something about objective truth mm-hmm. from their subjective reality and so I think that that's I always keep that in mind and um, I, I learned that from a very wise priest who once told me I we went to a to um, a mass together and the homily, in my opinion, was very bad. <laughs> and when I left, I was kind of grumbling about it to this very wise priest. And he looked at me and he kind of smiled and he said, you know, Teresa, even a broken watch can tell the right time twice. <laughs> yeah, that gives some of us broken clocks a little bit of hope. <laughs> well, join us in this conversation over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls, or leave a comment on the comment line, 918-928-5746. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about humility with Sister Teresa. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Glad you stuck through the break. Today we're talking about humility. On this, the feast day of St. Benedict, the founder of Western monasticism. If you've never read The Rule of St. Benedict, I encourage it. You can find it online. We'll put a link, guess where? Yes, on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Uh, there's a lot that he says that even though we're not monks, even though we're not in the religious life, most of you who are listening to the show, there's still a great amount that we can appropriate uh, to help us live lives that are um, more fitting for the gospel, uh, more reaching out, more hospitable. Oh, it's one of the big charisms of the Benedictine life, being hospitable, reaching out to those people who are around us and always being available. And I think that that's a big thing. We're talking today with Sister Teresa Alethea of the Daughters of St. Paul. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Timothy. We're talking about humility. Uh, Of course, Sister, you are to me uh, the embodiment of humility. Every time I've interacted with you, every time I've seen a blog post. interact more. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Uh, But just in the way that you interact with with people who are uh, responding to you uh, publicly, the way that you publicly respond is very uh, intentional. It's, you're, you're intentionally humble. And maybe that's indicative of an interior that's not wanting to be humble, but the fact that you bring that into submission publicly is a big thing. And if, if we can even get that far, uh, then we've accomplished something great, I think. Right before the break, you were talking about a sermon that you heard that was just awful. A little an- anecdote before we go too much further. You know, becoming Catholic, a lot of things changed for me. Used to be that when you go to church, you've got the music and the sermon in the Protestant world, and mm-hmm. and you're going for edification. And, you know, if you go there and the music's bad and the sermon's bad, you feel like you wasted a day. Mm-hmm. And so for me, being in the Catholic world, it's like, you know, the music can be awful and the homily can be heretical. But as long as he says the proper words of institution, Jesus is there. And so the day's a success, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's that sense that we have a different uh, aim in mass. It's not to be fed intellectually. It's to be fed with the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But going back to your topic, you were saying that, you know, the priest friend of yours said, even a, even a broken watch is right twice a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about how do we learn from someone, because you're saying you can learn truth from anyone. Mm-hmm. How do we learn from someone who is living their lives completely diametrically opposed to truth? Mm-hmm. They are rejecting truth, whether it be by rejecting the church or by living uh, life in a way that is completely opposite the way that God has given us to live. Mm-hmm. When we approach them in that scenario, and we're how, how do we learn truth from someone who is opposed to truth? Mm-hmm. I think uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, before he was Benedict XVI, he once wrote that something along the lines of, in every lie, there's a seed of truth. And that's the, that's the genius of Satan is when he convinces people of a lie, he always, there's always a truth involved because that's kind of, because people do have an ability to recognize truth. And oftentimes what I found is, um, you know, when, when it's um, church teaching versus the culture, uh, what other people are believing in values that are contrary to church teaching, 
is is the lie that is found in the culture or that is contrary to church teaching that the seed of truth that is in there is is oftentimes a truth that we need to work on Hmm. because that's um that's what people are recognizing and they're seeing the hypocrisy there okay and so when i talk to other people and especially when it's um you know on a subject of church teaching I have to be open to that kind of examination of conscience for the church, church wide and for myself personally, you know, what are you seeing here that is, that is making you so, um, passionate about your disagreement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And oftentimes there is, it is because they're passionate about the seed of truth and that lie. Um, and so I try to, when I talk to people, I try to dig for that seed of truth because that is our, that is our commonality. That's where I can find, um, that's where I can find where we agree. And Mm -hmm. then we can talk about that, you know? Um, and to be really honest with you, I, I hardly ever find a person that I can't find that with, you know, Mm because really if you can't find that seed of truth, then, then the person is really pretty far into evil and Thank God I don't talk to many people like that, you know. You know, I, I <laughs> watch out, sister. Now, it's gonna, <laughs> now God's like, oh, well, maybe yeah. I need to bring more people like. No, but um, I heard something recently that really struck a chord with me, and that it's that argument begins with agreement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anytime that we we start out in a antagonistic tone and we're going just for the disagreement, then then there's nothing productive that can occur in that that conversation mm-hmm. that it's not even truly an argument. It's, it's, um, it's a battle mm-hmm. as it were. Uh, and so the argument begins with that, that seed of commonality, mm-hmm. finding that piece of commonality, wherever we go, Paul talked about, uh, to the Greeks, I became Greek to the Jews. I became a Jew to those under the law. I became like one under the law. I became all things to all men that by all means I might win some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that idea that, yes, he, he, he didn't, uh, let himself go into sin. It's not that to the sinful, I became, you know, uh, just like they were. No, but he, he found the point of commonality from where the conversation could begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and out of that, out of that, you know, think of the, when he's in Athens in the book of Acts and he goes up to the Areopagus, which is just right below the Parthenon. It's this uh, cliff that overlooks the city. And he sees all the gods there and rather than saying, well, you people are all wrong. Look at all these uh, mm-hmm. gods and, you know, there's only one God and you're going to, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. No, he walks up and says, oh, I see that you're a very religious people. Mm-hmm. I'm very religious. We have a point of commonality. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you have this unknown God. Let me, let me proclaim to you in truth what you are worshiping uh, out of uh, ignorance. Mm-hmm. And he starts at that point of commonality and some people laughed him off and some people uh, ridiculed him, but some listened and said, we would hear you again on this. And isn't that the goal of the gospel? Not not the gospel hammer uh, to to be right and to prove ourselves to everyone. See how wonderful the gospel is. Let me hit you over the head with it. But mm-hmm. but the the guiding of the shepherd's crook, the winsomeness of Christ Himself, drawing people toward the truth through that place of commonality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You find that to be the case as well. You wrote recently about a um, a young a, a mother who came in and brought her son. Uh, tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, I, you know, I work in a bookstore. Our sisters um, spread the the gospel through modern media. And one of those ways is that we, our convents are often connected with bookstores. And so I work in a bookstore in Miami and um, 
a, a woman came in one day and I was kind of observing her thinking she was acting a little odd. And um, I, I later realized she was, she was probably a little drunk. And um, she came up to me and she was kind of very blunt, bluntly asked me, you know, why do you do this? Are, are, did someone force you to do this? And it took me a moment to, to realize what she was talking about. I was thinking, what are you talking about? And then I realized she was talking about me being a sister. And I looked at her and I said, no, no one forced me to do this. What kind of world are you living in? And then she, she kind of, um, I, I think that established trust with her. She realized I was legit and I was a real nun and and nobody forced me. And so she <laughs> confided into me that to me that her son was in prison and she get, she showed me a baby picture of him and she was really upset about it. She didn't really tell me, you know, the context of why he was in prison, mm-hmm. just that there were drugs involved and things like that. And then later um, she came, she would come in, you know, sober <laughs> several more times and would talk to me about her son. And I would ask about the progress of her son and how he was doing and then one day she came and he and she's she was very happy and she said to me he's back he he's actually outside, um, and she said could you talk to him? But I could tell she was feeling a little hesitant, which made me think, hmm, should I, should <laughs> this I be going to be interesting? Yeah. <clears throat> so I I walked outside and I looked around and I saw this kind of <clears throat> low, really nice car with silver rims and really darkly tinted windows um and i i just i kind of got a little hesitant but i walked over to the car and i looked in and there was a guy kind of just covered in tattoos and he looked at me not very nicely but there's it was the holy spirit gave me the courage i just walked up to the window and i rapped on the window and i and he kind of rolled it down and and i said you know your mother wanted me to to say hello and so he was wasn't even looking at me. He kind of was, and I was thinking, he and he wasn't responding. So I was I was getting a little worried. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just stood there, kind of stupidly. And um, but he eventually he got out of the car and he and he looked at me and I said, you know, I've I've been praying for you and um, I just want you to know that anytime you want to come by and mm-hmm. talk to me, you can you can do that. And the thing I knew he was probably in a gang or mm-hmm. I, I it's most likely he was in a gang or had been in a gang. Um, and I don't know what he's involved in or who he's involved in mm-hmm. with. Um, but I, you know, he looked at me kind of like, do you are you stupid? Are you just a right. naive nun? And I didn't say anything to him. But with my eyes, I just looked at him in the eyes and I said, I know what's going on. I'm not an idiot, <laughs> but I still am inviting you to that, you know, and I'm still praying for you and I care about you. Wow. Great story. We're going to talk about that just a little bit more when we come back from this break. We're talking with Sister Teresa Alethea of the Daughters of St. Paul, currently uh, residing in Miami, a little bit uh, sunnier than we are here, a little bit more humid as well. Uh, and we're talking about humility. I want to zone in on that story just a bit more you're listening to outside the walls with timothy putnam join us on social media facebook.com slash step outside the walls on twitter the handle is at outside the walls see you after the break
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Time to give something away. We're talking today with Sister Teresa Alathea. And right before the break, you talked about the story of the the mother that came in and was a little bit antagonistic and maybe a little bit out of it. And, and then the conversations that flowed from that and the invitation you made to her son, who is very much not uh, willing uh, at the moment. But I'm struck by something. And this comes, I think, from your whole charism of humility and the whole striving to pursue that truth is that it would be very easy at the beginning to write someone like that off, the mother, you know, and she comes in and she's a little antagonistic and we'll, we'll just, we'll, okay, yeah, no, I did this on purpose and then kind of walk away and, and not making space for those uncomfortable pauses and those uncomfortable silences. And yet a great portion of the gospel is just being present. It's not even necessarily saying something. It's being there uh, and available for the Holy Spirit to use. And I think that above all other things, if we would allow ourselves to be just a little bit uncomfortable in some of these situations and just to be present and just to see the person behind all that and not necessarily their their behaviors or the drunkenness or the, um, the, the brashness, but to see there's a reason that this person is these things. There's There's a history that's causing that to happen. And then allowing that uncomfortability in us to be a conduit of grace, a place where they can meet God uh, in us just by giving God the space to work. And I think that that's something that you do excellently that we could all learn from. So, yeah, I think, you know, especially in the book center, there are times when I don't do that very well at all, but Mm -hmm. there are also times that, that God helps me to be present, even in a moment when I'm kind of, when a person is very off putting or, Mm -hmm. but in that situation, especially, I think God really taught me something because when I walked away from that man and I walked back into the book center, I had this overwhelming feeling of, of being with him Mm -hmm. and not, um, not in how we were different, but in how we were the same. And, um, and I think that that was a really huge lesson in humility because oftentimes when we see people, especially people who are outside of the church, um, we, we think of how, how we're different from them in our way of life or what we do or what we say or whatever, our beliefs. But, um, we are this, we are, we are with them in our sinfulness. Yeah. And I, I really, I felt with him in my sinfulness, really like it it was almost as if just a few steps away, I could be in that situation Mm -hmm. just very quickly, a snap of my finger. Um, there's everything in me to be in that situation. And I, and I see that in everyone. Well, it's that famous old statement there, but for the grace of God, go I, Uh, So I think you've got a a really good perspective on that. Well, it's time to give something away. We're going to be giving away a copy of Sister Teresa's book, The Prodigal You Love, Inviting Loved Ones Back to the Church. Maybe you have someone who's far away uh, that, that you just long for them to be back in the graces of the church and you just don't know how to go about it. Maybe it's a difficult situation or, or they just don't want to hear about all that religion stuff. Well, this book is an excellent resource to help you do that. So either for you or for someone you know, uh, you're going to want to get a hold of this book. So it's almost time for the question. Get by your computer so you can Google it because it's, uh, 
It's not a very difficult question, but you probably will need to look it up. And the way you're going to answer that, you're going to give me a call at 918-928-KPIM. That's 918-928-5746. Or you're going to hop on to social media and leave a comment on facebook.com slash step outside the walls or on Twitter. The handle there is at outside the walls. And you're going to give us the answer. So sister, why don't you give us the question? Okay. So which theologian wrote that humility is the virtue that removes obstacles to faith? All right. Which theologian said that humility is the virtue which removes obstacles to faith? Google is your friend. Look it up. Give me a call, 918-928-KPIM. Pop over to social media. Give me the answer, and we'll get this book right out to you, and you can give it to whoever you want. So even if you think, well, that, that book's not for me, well, you, I bet you know someone who would really benefit from this book. Now, if you don't call in in time and you're the second or third person and you still want the book, you can get it over by the Daughters of St. Paul, Pauline Books and Media. Uh, that website is www.pauline.org. They publish all the papal encyclicals. They publish just any number of books, and they would be happy to hook you up with a copy of Sister Teresa's book as well. Sister, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It was great to do it face to face. It was. Well, we just have a couple of minutes left together today. Uh, you know, I get asked all the time, you know, by people who I've invited onto the show or people who are interested in the show, you know, what's the format like? Well, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation. And so, you know, the things that you're hearing, I'm hearing for the first time too. Uh, and I just, I get so enriched by, by hearing the perspective of someone else, someone who is made in the image of God and maybe has strengths in an area that I don't have it in. Uh, and so perhaps as you were listening today, uh, you were convicted. Maybe the Holy Spirit's talking to you and saying, you know, this situation over here, you, you could have handled that better. Maybe this situation over here, you, you ignored that person. And I really want you to, to reach out to them. Uh, and, and to be a bridge, to invite them into the beauty of the church, not as a, a hammer to be right, but as, as an invitation into divine life. And so if that's you, uh, it certainly I've got a couple in my mind, but if that's you, uh, then I want to encourage you to take it to prayer. Spend some time in quiet. Maybe, maybe that quiet's in the car, and instead of turning on the radio, uh, listening to music, because you always need to listen to the show, right? You need to listen to, to this show. But instead of listening to music, maybe spend some time uh, contemplating and meditating. Maybe before you go to bed, say, you know, God, uh, have I been living my life in humility? Have I been uh, acting appropriately uh, to the dignity of the human person, to every human person around me that bears your image? Help me to see, help me to act in a way that reflects your glory and your peace and your invitation. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, my favorite guest is coming back on. That's right, my wife. Yes, uh, next week is NFP Awareness Week, declared so by the USCCB. They do it every year. And so I'm bringing my darling bride. Uh, she's the founder of NFP Aware, which is a, an apostolate that deals with raising awareness of NFP. So it seemed appropriate. Uh, tune in next week for that exciting show. Well, until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. See you next week. 